Welcome to Political Beatdown. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by the one and only Michael Cohen. Even my dogs who are by my side are excited for this episode right now. We're going to discuss Michael Cohen's reaction to everything that has transpired since Donald Trump was arraigned in Miami federal court. I want to get Cohen's reaction. Remember, we were broadcasting live during the arraignment. Now we've had the opportunity to learn everything that's gone down since that arraignment. We're going to talk as well about how the GOP has been exposed yet again, lying about President Biden, admitting that this recording they claim existed of Biden bribing someone connected to Vladimir Putin. Guess what? It never existed. Doesn't doesn't exist. Rudy Giuliani saying, oh, whistleblowers are dead now. And that's why just complete and total BS. Are moderate Republicans turning against Donald Trump? We will analyze that. Let's turn to some of the hearings that happened this week in the House of Representatives, which once again backfired on the GOP, as did the GOP effort to try to censure and fine Democrat Adam Schiff for investigating Donald Trump for Trump's Russia connections. And a federal judge in New York granted E. Jean Carroll's motion to amend her other lawsuit against Donald Trump with new allegations based on Trump. Trump's recent defamatory statements, and the federal judge just set a trial date before we went live for that other trial that E. Jean Carroll still has another defamation trial. That will be January 15th of 2024. Michael Cohen, a lot to discuss. How are you doing? Oh, you know, how am I doing? So I spent some time the other day over at 60 Center Street, as I explained uh, a couple of days ago to our brigaders. I went there for a pre-trial conference. It turns out that counsel for Trump and Trump Org in this specific case, they filed a whole series of motions in limine. Um, again, it's all about the delay, right? I, it's almost like somebody should fi- you know, figure out this song. It's all about the delay, about the delay, about the delay, right? Somebody needs to write us a song for this one because they think that they have this thing down packed. They don't. Uh, We now have to go back July 7th uh, in order to meet with the judge uh, for the pre-trial conference. But our our trial is scheduled for July 24th and it is set in stone, you know, uh, looking forward to it. And to be honest with you, you know, part of our schedule uh, at the pre-trial conference is going to be to set up witnesses. And there are some pretty interesting names that are going to be released on, um, you know, on our witness list because they're imperative to this case. Um, Obviously, you could imagine that Donald happens to be one of them. Now, clearly, they're going to try to argue that there's no nexus any longer between Donald, the Trump organization in New York. We'll see how the judge rules on that. But other than that, um, it's been a long journey to hold Donald accountable. You know, I was on CNN the other day and I was talking with Abby Phillip. And even before uh, Abby, I was on uh, another CNN program where I explained the problem that exists with Donald is he does not understand the word accountability. So therefore, he has never done anything wrong because if you do something wrong, obviously, you have to be accountable for it. And so the whole thing is just like a dog running after its tail. It's a vicious, vicious circle cycle. Well, what we're seeing now is Donald being held accountable as an example for the E. Jean Carroll um, uh, assault. And he was fined, as you may well remember, $5 million. But this idiot, I mean, and there's no other way to describe him other than an idiot, after less than 24 hours, goes off, and now he's at the town hall, the CNN town hall, with Caitlin Collins, and he starts saying the same exact things that he just got, uh, what do you call it, that the jury just came back with the verdict on of $5 million. And of course, that was broken up between several different parts of the case. But let's just say $5 million as the civil fine. He goes on, he says the same thing. Well, today, you know, the judge allowed 
a new case to be filed or to amend the existing complaint to add additional defamation costs. This is how I described it yesterday is Donald is like a petulant child that just for some unknown reason wants to keep sticking his finger into the electrical socket. Now, despite the fact we all know that you're going to get hurt from it, the same way Donald knows by saying these things, he's going to get hurt. He still wants to stick his finger into the socket, to the metaphorical socket. Well, no, it's stupid. And there's nobody around him that has the balls enough to say to him, Donald, knock the shit off, right? You're hurting yourself, not just in this specific case, not now in the fact that she's going to bring a second defamation action against you, considering she already won the first. So it's kind of res judicata, right? I mean, the thing already speaks for itself, and she could use the earlier determination as a basis, uh, as a cause of action for the second case. So she will then go ahead and file this which she's now permitted to do, this defamation case, he keeps wanting to stick his finger into the electrical, the proverbial electrical socket. And nobody could figure out why. On top of that, there was statements that were allegedly made in regard to the um, document, the mishandling of the document case, that there were lawyers that were there telling Donald, hey, just send this stuff back. What are you doing? Send the stuff back. It's not yours. But of course, Donald only listens to one person, and that's himself. But he will listen to you if, in fact, you agree with his knee-jerk reaction. So, look, there's so much that's going on, Ben, for us to be talking about. Uh, all I can say to you is this is going to be one ass exciting show. <laughs> and so just to break it down, so everybody knew what you were talking about at the outset, um, you have a case that you filed against the Trump organization for fees that they owe you, correct? And that's the case that's headed to trial July 24th. When you talk about Donald Trump filing or the Trump organization filing all of these motion and limines, those are basically pre-trial motions to try to exclude evidence from coming in. And your point there is that all of these pre-trial motions have now been filed we commonly refer to that or you may you know, hear about it as like they're trying to paper the case to death, basically. Right. They're trying to do everything to derail your case against Donald Trump, which, by the way, you know, we're talking about it here, which is important because it's going to be getting a lot of attention. I mean, the Trump organization and Trump's failure to pay you that case is going to trial July 24th. As you mentioned, of course, Donald Trump should be a witness to this case. He's probably the key witness. And in fact, I think a strong argument to make that he should definitely be a witness is the fact that he filed a frivolous lawsuit against you as well in the Southern District of Florida, in the Miami division, coincidentally, where ben, his arraignment isn't this, was. Isn't this endemic of exactly what's going on with all of these other cases? I mean, is it, isn't it? Uh, it's the fact that he cannot get lawyers in order to represent him. It's simply because he doesn't pay. This is all par and parcel for how Donald Trump acts and how he behaves. He doesn't pay, even when he knows that he owes it, even when you do a good job. It doesn't matter. It just it makes it harder for him to say that he's not going to pay when he screws up and when, or when that lawyer screws up and they don't win, which in his mind is a screw up when he doesn't win. For him, it's an easy one to turn around and to say that I'm just not going to make a payment. Uh, OK, great. Um, you know. This is the problem. This is why he cannot find someone of competency to represent him. Now, he does have, you know, Todd Blanche, well-respected lawyer, you know, Chris Kies. And so I don't know who's going to be representing him. According to the transcript, uh, they do claim that uh, they will be there for the trial and for appeals and so on. Uh, chances are I don't buy it. Um, I certain that they probably went ahead and they probably got their money in advance. But not only does he not pay you, he's an incredibly difficult client. He likes to do things the way he wants. Problem is, not only does he not understand the law, he doesn't appreciate the fact that there are rules, that there are procedures. 
He doesn't care. He wants what he wants. Again, going right back to the metaphor of the petulant child. You mentioned Chris Keiss, who Donald Trump's political action arm back last was it August or September paid Christopher Keiss $3 million. And Christopher Keiss had a reputation of being a fairly well-respected lawyer in Florida. He was the Solicitor General of Florida. There he is right there. And Christopher Keiss went to Donald Trump in the fall of 2022 with a strategy, which is let's reach a settlement agreement with Merrick Garland. Let's try to kind of tune things down a little bit. Let's try to ease a lot of the, you know, uh, conflict taking place. And let's go there and let's try to offer a deal. Um, it may not be a great deal that, you know, that you're going to like Donald Trump, but you're going to have to admit that you did certain things wrong. But in return, they're not going to prosecute you. And I believe this is what Christopher Kai said. And how we could, can make and this how go could Donald ever acknowledge that he did something wrong? This is a man who said on Fox that he's never apologized. He's never asked for um, you know, forgiveness from God because he's never done anything wrong. I mean, that's truly an amazing thing for somebody to say and to say with legitimate conviction that he believes he's never done anything wrong. He was never mean to anyone. He was never um, in, inappropriate with somebody. He never screwed somebody over. He never, you know, um, did something that he was sorry for, not even his own siblings. He never got into a fight with his siblings or anything like that. He's unapologetic for anything. You know, this same exact topic of the Washington Post article, whereby this idiot, this former idiot in chief, had an opportunity to avoid all of this. But instead, he fought. He had to buck the system. Why? Because that's who Donald Trump is. You know, Salty, uh, if you have my clip with, um, with uh, what do you call it, CNN, if you can play it, it's, it's exactly the same exact topic. He doesn't learn. And it's insane. It's truly insane that this man wants to be the president again of the United States. Did we not learn our lesson the first time? Play Do you clip. think in your mind that he was ever going to opt for an option uh, of taking a settlement instead of battling this out in public? Now, so Donald's position is never to settle. Ever, because he thinks it's a sign of weakness. Unfortunately, he didn't have anybody around him to guide him properly. He's like a petulant child that just keeps sticking their finger into an electric socket. And then you keep saying, don't do it. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. But nevertheless, he's going to do it anyway, because in his mind, he knows better. And then you have somebody, for example, like a Boris Epstein, who will turn around and will say to him, yeah, you're right, Donald, stick your finger into the socket. It's good. It's good. You can do it instead of guiding him like many of us used to in the past and say to him, no, you can't do that. All right. Turn to think about how many of these matters right now would not even exist had he listened to somebody who was providing him just a scintilla of good advice, just a scintilla. And I think we uh, a lot of people look at this and wonder, was anybody telling him to just give the documents back. And this reporting really confirms that people were. And according to the Washington Post, this was just one of several times that those lawyers tried to move uh, Trump to prevent what basically unfolded in court. Um, when you hear that, uh, I mean, what do you think got Trump to the point where holding onto documents was more important than staying out of real legal, legal jeopardy here? First of all, I don't buy the nonsense that people were telling him not to hold on to it. Number one, he wouldn't listen. But number two, nobody really has, you know, the cojones enough to turn around and to tell Donald that you need to send it back. In fact, the proof in the pudding is that you had people like Evan Corcoran or you had people like um, Kath, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Bob, uh, the other attorney who Christina signed Bob. affidavits to the government. Christina Bob, right, stating that um, they had searched the premises, that there were no documents that were left on Mar-a-Lago or in other locations uh, that Donald had control. 
And Cohen, there you mentioned Boris Epstein um, and Evan Corcoran, but one of the voices Donald Trump has been consistently listening to is someone who is not even a lawyer, somebody by the name of Tom Fitton, who wears those really tight shirts that he can't fit in. And he starts a group, he has a group called Judicial Watch, and they're the ones who filed this lawsuit against the National Archives. He lost this lawsuit, Fitton did, in 2012. The court found there was no jurisdiction at all and found that the underlying premise of this matter involving former President Bill Clinton's handwritten notes relating to his autobiography, the court said, well, the National Archives is saying those are personal records. Clinton saying it's personal records. This happened 12 years ago. It's not like classified information. He's not stealing national briefings. These were personal records that Clinton took and put in a draw so that he could write his autobiography. And the court laughed Fitton out and the case was dismissed against Fitton. That's when Donald Trump talks about the Sox case. He goes, the Sox case is precedent. The Sox case isn't precedent. First off, it's a district court opinion. It's not a Supreme Court opinion or a circuit court opinion. And not only is it not precedent, it's not persuasive authority because Fitton lost. And if anything, it goes against all of Donald Trump's theories because we were talking about personal notes that were written by Clinton in connection with a personal autobiography, not stealing classified records. But that's the voice fit in the Sox case. And it just goes to show you, though, not just here, but Donald Trump listens to people like Fitton who run everything into the ground. That's how he runs the country, ran yeah. the country. And, and yet there's still a large group of people that will turn around and tell you, even though we know that Donald is accountable and was it 70 percent, 68, 70 percent of the country believes that Donald Trump should be charged with mishandling of these documents, that does not negate the fact that there's still millions of people that are supporting him. I mean, it is amazing. And what really gets me and really angers me is the equivalency that there so many of the Trump acolytes or Donald himself, when he gets up and he speaks at these rallies or these um, restaurant tours, whatever it is that he's doing. They use these equivalencies in order to justify what Donald did. So they turn around and they say, well, listen, should Donald Trump be held accountable as stated in the 37 count indictment against him by um, Jack Smith? Should he be held accountable for the mishandling of these of these classified documents, these top secret documents. And they say, well, what about Hillary Clinton? What about George Bush? What about Barack Obama? What about Bill Clinton? And so I'm not really sure that I understand the argument that they're making. If in fact that it is determined that Joe Biden failed to return the documents, obstructed justice in the same manner to which that Donald Trump did, which I can assure you is not accurate. It is not true. And we know that because he never had affidavit signed stating that the documents that were in his possession um, have been returned when in fact that they weren't. What we do know is that when he located these documents, he's the one who called the National Archives, called NARA, and had them come do a complete sweep of his property yep. to check to ensure that there's nothing else there. You don't see or hear people saying, well, Joe Biden turned around and said, don't go into those boxes. They're my boxes. Just say that there's nothing into them, right? This is the problem with Trump. He doesn't believe in accountability, doesn't believe in rule of law, doesn't believe in the Constitution, has an authoritarian mindset. He is an autocrat wannabe. He is a monarchical individual. And at the end of the day, this is not going to bode well for him. He will be held accountable for this. Now, everybody's attacking Judge Aileen Cannon, that she's going to delay, she's going to do Donald's bidding. I'm not so sure that they're right. I'm really not. I And again, for me, not being the more pessimistic of the two of us, all right, um, in terms of the DOJ, especially, you know, judges, because I have a real issue with the way my case was handled. 
I can tell you, I do believe that after the first go around, after you get slapped the way that she did for that improper determination on the raid of the Mar-a-Lago property and the obtaining of the documents to make a determination whether they were or were not class uh, attorney-client privileged, I think that she's on a very straight and narrow. I don't believe that she wants to destroy her reputation. Uh, and I do believe that her judgment uh, and that her decisions will be um, in accordance with proper, fair uh, judicial outcome. I think you give Judge Eileen Cannon a lot of credit. She was overturned the first time by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, and then she still did not remove herself from the case back in 2022. It had to take a second order by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals compelling that the case be removed from her because she never had jurisdiction in the first place. So to be overturned twice, and then why I disagree with you here is that if she was following the law, Cohen, she would have self-recused, okay? Uh, and but, she didn't. But, and she didn't do anything wrong yet. Not yet. You know. Let me read for you. It was yesterday. So, it was overturned, right? She was she was reprimanded. Let's let's at least give her a chance. Now, I'm not saying that I'm right, and I hope I am, and I hope you're wrong. Simply for judicial process, but. If, in fact, I'm wrong and I will be the first one to come clean and say, hey, I finally got one wrong. I do believe, all right, that we have to give her that opportunity. You know, this was not as some people want to say, because everybody today is somewhat conspiracy, you know, um, theorists. She did not fix the wheel. They spun the wheel and her name came up. Just shit luck. All right. It is what it is. So all of a sudden. Now it's that they had the thing fixed and that Donald only wants her and that she's the one that's going to set things right for him and so on. I'm not so sure about that. I'm really not. Let's geek out geek out with me a little bit on the law here. I want to look at 28 U.S. Code Section 455. We'll go to 144 in a second, Salty, but go to 455. Disqualification of justice, judge, or magistrate. And it has subsection A, which says any justice, judge, or magistrate, judge of the United States shall disqualify, it should be himself, herself, or themselves, in any proceeding in which his, her, their impartiality might reasonably be questioned. So Cohen, the standard there isn't, did she affirmatively do something wrong? The question is, would there be an appearance of impropriety based on a reasonable reasonableness standard? Go to subsection B. Well, before, before says, you jump off of that, let's just talk about that. The question of reasonable, it's one of those terms like the term normal. Define reasonable. You see, it's in whose opinion? So as an example, let's say hypothetically, instead of Judge Aileen Cannon, that it was Judge Ben Mycellus, all right? The first thing that they would say is, well, you were appointed by Barack Obama, therefore you cannot be impartial, and so you should recuse yourself under this standard. People can say that doesn't mean it's true. So the reasonableness standard is a really tough one. It's it's so broad that it really has very little meaning. But the appointment in and of itself is not to me what, cre what creates the appearance of impropriety. It it might. I mean, she was appointed oh, oh, by oh, the oh, person. What did you just say? It might? That's all that you require under that specific code, which is why I say it's so broad, Ben, that anybody, and again, Whose opinion? Michael Cohen's? I don't think so. Then my but then to me where so. but then where it goes from it might to I think it does create the right. appearance of impropriety is the fact that she's now overturned twice by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, not just in any case, in a case involving the criminal defendant here, in a case involving Donald Trump, in connection with a search warrant executed at Mar-a-Lago that led to this criminal case being filed, where it was determined by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal, her supervisors, that she didn't just get it wrong or make a mistake, 
right? That she affirmatively acted unlawfully in asserting jurisdiction in a matter that she shouldn't have had. And it happened twice. And I go to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals precedent in the 2008 case, United States versus Martin, where a federal district court judge who um, was overturned twice by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals on a sentencing matter, was reassigned and removed from the case because they consistently didn't follow the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal law regarding a specific defendant. But to me here, it's kind of one plus one equals two. On the one hand, she was appointed by Donald Trump. So to me, that creates a borderline feeling of an appearance of impropriety. But then number two, she's made rulings regarding the person that appointed her that was deemed to be unlawful twice. To me, that creates an appearance of impropriety. So now the question, though, is she's not self-recusing. So the question becomes, what does Jack Smith do? Is Jack Smith as optimistic as as you are, Michael Cohen, and says, you know I'm what? Not, I'm not optimistic. I'm hopeful. There's a difference. Hopeful. Right? Is Jack and Smith hopeful? I agree, and with, I Smith agree with you with everything to say. Your interpretation of this code is probably correct, and I am probably incorrect. I'm just trying to be hopeful that the system is not as fucked as we all believe that it is, that there are some judges that you will never get a fair shake if you're Donald Trump, and then there are other judges that you will get an unfair shake because you're Donald Trump. My hope is that the system rebalances itself out, that we're able to get back to a place where, I hate to use the term because it's not a real term, but normal, that we go back to the way things used to be, that when you went to a judge, that the judge was judicious, that they acted upon the law. They didn't act upon the Department of Justice being weaponized by, you know, by, we'll call it the chief executive officer, uh, so as to punish a critic. Hello, Donald, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you, Bill Barr. Um, my hope is that she saw the light in the error of her way. She was reprimanded, which no judge wants to be. In fact, I believe that if she does, again, what was done before, that there could be um, a very serious um, repercussion to her where she is removed from the bench. So I don't think that that's what she wants. I don't think that's what any judge wants. So again, I agree with everything that you're saying. If you look at history, and everybody will tell you that history tends to repeat itself, my hope is that history in this case does not repeat itself, that she does the right thing, that she realizes the entire country, the entire world is watching her and every single move, including her supervisors. So because she didn't self-recuse, special counsel Jack Smith has an important decision to make. Does he file a affidavit of recusal under 28 U.S.C. section 144? Um, and that has to be done pretty soon. Salty, pull up 28 U.S.C. section 144 so people can see that's the statute right there. As we go into the text, it says whenever a party to any proceeding in a district court makes and files a timely and sufficient affidavit that the judge before whom the matter is pending has a personal bias or prejudice against either against him or in favor of any adverse party, such judge shall proceed no further therein, but another judge shall be assigned to hear such proceeding. And I believe that would be reviewable by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal. One thing that special counsel Jack Smith certainly has on his mind as well, though, is that this case is brought under SEPA, the Classified Information Procedures Act, where most of the rulings that will be made preliminarily are automatically appealable to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals because of the unique statutory structure of the Classified Information Procedures Act. So special counsel Jack Smith may say, you know what, I'm hopeful. I'm so not going me, to I'm not yeah. going to file the recusal. Let's wait until we see her make an order that violates clear 11th Circuit precedent, appeal it right away, then go to the 11th Circuit. Look, we gave her a shot and now we are making the move for a recusal. That's so, what special counsel Jack Smith's weighing right now. Yeah, Correct. so Ben, one of the reasons why and to my brigaders, and I know some people are angry and they say you're being, you know, you're being 
um, ridiculous and, you know, don't stop, stop, you know, trying to be hopeful. There's a, there's a reason why I'm, I want to be hopeful that Judge Cannon does the right thing. One of the problems that we have right now in terms of holding Donald J. Trump accountable for the multitude of illegal uh, illegalities, the 37 counts in this specific case, the counts in the DA case, the civil case by Attorney General Tish James, what will soon be followed by uh, the Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis, et cetera. All right. One of the problems that we have is time. We do not have time. Why? Because one thing Trump knows, and I'm telling this to my brigaders because I have the experience in this area, Donald knows delay, and we cannot afford a delay. So if, in fact, Jack Smith goes ahead and files this motion, okay, so he files the motion, let's say there's a returnable date in 30 days. In 27 days, Donald comes back with his counsel and says, I need additional time, Your Honor okay, no problem. We have to give it to you on the first request. So how much time do you need? I need an additional 60 days. Not the most unreasonable request. So even if the judge grants him only 30 days, we just wasted 60 days. Fine. They put in their papers. 30 days later, government has the ability to put in, I'm sorry, uh, what you want to call it? Uh, Defense counsel has the ability to put in their papers. Now we're at 90 days. You see where I'm going with this, Ben? You see where I'm going with this, Brigaders? Then you have to give the judge an opportunity in order to make a determination. Well, okay, so now we're 90 days out. The judge, let's say he's incredibly, incredibly quick uh, in terms of this because of the import of this case. 30 more days. Now we're four months into it. Well, all of a sudden it comes back. She needs to recuse herself. Well, that's now going to be appealed. So now you got your time period, let's say another 30 days. We're five months into it to file the appeal. Then all of a sudden government gets its opportunity to put in its appeal. You're six months, right? Do you see where I'm going with this? And then it takes two, three months for the judge uh, to make their determination. We're nine months into this game before you blink an eye off one one facacta motion about recusal we could be close to a year a year now all of a sudden he's going to turn around and say whoa 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 everybody we're in the middle of a fucking campaign i'm the leading candidate for the gop it is an unwritten rule of the doj that they will not interfere in an election so everything goes on hold who wins Donald wins. That's why I'm saying I am hopeful that she does the right thing. Am I being naive? Probably. But nevertheless, it will then mean that in nine months to a year from now, we will be literally months away from a trial instead of just the beginning of the case. And look, one important thing that special counsel Jack Smith still has in his pocket is if you read this 37 or 38 count indictment, Donald Trump actually wasn't charged with the with showing the classified information at Bedminster itself. That is an independent and separate crime. So many have surmised that special counsel Jack Smith could ultimately bring another case, not just only on the willful retention of national defense information under the Espionage Act, but the actual transmittal and showing it to people as a separate case uh, that would be filed in New Jersey. And of course, special counsel Jack Smith's ongoing criminal investigation into Trump's conduct relating to the January 6th insurrection and wire fraud and Trump threatening local and state election officials. That case and that investigation proceeds in earnest. And I think we will see uh, indictments there uh, in the fall, probably potentially even end but of let, summer. Let's talk about so that. Before, and Before we jump off this topic, I just want to once again to my brigaders to say I am hopeful because I want Trump to be held accountable. But here's the interesting thing as well. While all this bullshit is happening and everybody that's been out there and you know now they're all a bunch of prognosticators and handicappers saying, well, this case is more significant, for example, than the Alvin Bragg case the hush money uh, payment as well as the uh, 
business falsification of records and so on that everybody's saying, oh, well, that's not as significant. And in fact, you know, you also have the Fannie Willis case, which may or may not be as significant as classified document mishandling that's national security. But none of this is, of course, as important or as significant as and trying to overturn the federal government, meaning the January 6th insurrection. Let me be very clear about something. All right. Alvin Bragg is proceeding forward. He is not stopping. All right. And if that means that Donald gets convicted, he gets tried and convicted on a state indictment. Well, so fucking be it. All right. So instead of going to a federal institution, he will go to a state institution. Now, again, I'm not certain that he'll see any institution as a former president, but the repercussions will nevertheless be there, whether it be a yep. state um, run home confinement or a federally run home confinement, irrelevant. It will put Donald in the classification as a felon. Right. And it will now ensure accountability and it will make his life incredibly difficult uh, as it relates to whether it's campaigning or anything. It's what I always referred to as the Al Capone theory. Couldn't get him on murder, extortion, racketeering, bootlegging, et cetera. They got him on tax evasion. And let's not forget, speaking about tax evasion, that New York Attorney General Letitia James civil case where she's seeking at least $250 million against Donald Trump, his adult children, and the Trump Organization, probably in the billions at the time of trial, and an injunction effectively shutting down Donald Trump, his adult children, and the Trump Organization from ever doing business in New York. That's set to be heard October 2nd of this year, and that has major implications as well. We got a lot more to discuss on this episode of Political Beatdown. Let's take a quick break. Ben Micellis here. Breathe some life into your own backyard with FastGrowingTrees.com this spring. From shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty, let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. FastGrowingTrees.com's plant experts Curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. Happy plants, happy home, right? But sometimes it's hard to know which plants will do best. No problem, because with FastGrowingTrees.com, you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs. Plus, their plant experts are always available to help keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. No more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. I love fast-growing trees because I found the Alberta peach tree I was looking for at a great price, and you will too. And with fast-growing trees, 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. Join over 1.5 million happy fast-growing trees customers. So go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash political now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash political. That's fastgrowingtrees.com dot com slash political support for Midas is brought to you by Manscaped, who has the best in men's below the waist grooming products. That's right. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Midas at manscaped.com. Look, everyone knows that you have to be careful when dealing with the family jewels. You definitely don't want to use an old crusty electric trimmer. Yikes. That's why I'm so excited to partner with Manscaped. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and oh man, it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Reserver Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0, this trimmer is the future of grooming and dare I say the greatest below the waist trimmer ever? Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. 
The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has 4000K LED spotlights you'll need for a more precise shave. And because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Reserver Deodorant and Crop Reviver Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with code BEAT. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BEAT. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Let's go, Jordy. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Michael Cohen, and you are are watching and listening to Political Beatdown. Cohen, it seems not a week goes by where MAGA Republicans are not making up some defamatory story against President Biden, and it gets more outlandish each week because the MAGA Republicans aren't offering any policies to the American people. They're not talking about jobs, the economy. They're not talking about social security except taking it away no, from but people. No, but they are also sending, but Ben, they are also sending migrants, you know, to California, Texas, uh, no, not Texas, uh, New York, you know, D.C. and so on. I mean, they got their priorities straight. Yeah, they're kidnapping people, torturing people, and like laughing about it on Fox. It's utterly disgusting. So what they do is Donald Trump is on a recording talking about classified information. So they go, oh, let's make up something about President Biden on a recording. Hey, didn't Rudy Giuliani once like launder these documents from a Russian oligarch who just lied about Biden when he was the vice president from seven years ago. Hey, hey, could, could we find that form? Let's find a form that's literal disinformation pushed by Putin. And then let's claim that it's valid. And then let's just say these allegations are true. And then let's go a step further and say there are actually recordings out there that exist. And then let's make up a number and say there's not just one recording. Let's just make it up and say there are 17 recordings uh, that involve President Biden when he was the vice president being bribed. Every aspect of this is completely and utterly false. I want to show this clip of Congress member Dan Goldman at a hearing yesterday, breaking it down beautifully. Play this clip. We've heard so much about this FBI 1023 form and how it includes sensational allegations about a massive alleged bribery scheme by President Biden. So I was really eager to read that document this week. Did the majority actually find some actual evidence of wrongdoing by the president? Of course not. But it's even worse than that. This document that they will not stop talking about is shockingly just a three-year-old secondhand hearsay, uncorroborated rehashing of Rudy Giuliani's bogus allegations that he got from Ukrainian, corrupt Ukrainian officials. Now, we all know that former President Donald Trump was impeached because he tried to extort President Zelensky to announce an investigation into this Ukrainian company, Burisma, that would benefit Trump's political campaign. The theory goes that then-Vice President urged Ukraine to fire its prosecutor general because he was investigating Burisma and the president wanted to help his son, who was on the Burisma board. You know where Rudy Giuliani got this information from? That fired prosecutor general himself, the corrupt prosecutor general. And we know with... And, and Cohen, of course, the, docu the document is completely made up. Um, the recordings are completely made up. But ben, Here, in his own words, yeah. Can I, I just want to play you this one. In his own words, this is what Jim Jordan said in an interview earlier today. Play this clip. This oligarch who, you know, I mean, you, you can blame him because he wanted, he was trying to buy his way into the U.S. government, but allegedly he had a client. Uh, he was able to buy off Joe Biden and his and his co-head son. Uh, 
now many people believe that once this oligarch is identified that he could be a, a target for those who don't want this information out there is the GOP taking steps to protect the oligarch well uh, we, we that that name in the in the when I read the, re- the report uh, the 1023 that that is redacted so um, yeah, that, that's, that's in, in the report there, too. Look, we don't want anyone to get hurt. You certainly don't want a source who's been helpful to our country. You certainly don't want to have to do anything that would jeopardize his, his safety. Um, we understand that. But by the same token, the American people, we the people, have a right to know what's really going on, particularly with the guy who's the head of our government, the President of the United States. If this stuff, if, if what's alleged is actually, you know, accurate, that's, that's, that's huge news. That's huge concern. That's a big problem. So... That's why we think this needs to be made public um, with the appropriate redaction of the sources uh, name. Yeah. Is the GOP taking steps to protect the Russian oligarch? I mean, I mean, it's so stupid. I mean, you, you sit there. Look, I don't even remember this guy's name, the one that looks like Quagmire. Giggly, giggly, giggly. I mean, that's what this guy's sitting there. And they're trying to put anything. So he's sort of my double fingers today. Fuck you, you idiot. I mean, there's no other way to describe you. You're a fucking idiot, right? They're making stuff up. They're promoting more lies and conspiracies again and again and again. You know, I don't know if you saw this, Ben, or Brigaders, but Rudy Giuliani was on Fox News. And he was having a conversation with the Fox host who turned around and said, no, 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 Mr. Giuliani, you're wrong about that. There is no proof. You know, there's two very important words that we're going to ask you. And those two words are prove it. You can't just say something and expect us to accept it as fact. You need to come with the proof. And he went off on her, screaming at her, you're going to have to apologize to me. You can come to my office and see the documents anytime that you want. Um, we have the documents. The documents are in our possession. Um, so she said, okay, why didn't you bring them? Or can I come tomorrow? Well, I can't show them to you, but you're going to apologize to me because I'm right and you're wrong. This is the crazy logic of people like Rudy Kaludi. This is the crazy logic of Jimbo Jordan. This is yep. the crazy logic of people like Marjorie Toilet Green and so many others. They are hijacking our Congress. For what? Because, because somebody impeached Donald? Well, maybe he fucking deserved it. Maybe he deserved to be impeached. But instead of allowing the process to be legitimate and fair, the second that you attack the Fuhrer, they think that they need to come to his rescue. But he doesn't need them, and they don't need him, and our country doesn't want any of it. But it doesn't matter, because they're all afraid that they're going to piss off this MAGA base, which will shut down the spigots of money coming into their, you know, to their coffers, and that they will lose their seat, which means losing their power, which in fact means losing their job. So they're protecting themselves at the, at the you know, at the cost and the damage to who to you to me to our country it's fucking despicable yeah then they so they they do the lie they do the defamation then you have murdoch's new york post or whatever they write the story joe bryden this that and the other right and then when it's like okay show me the evidence right that you just said giuliani went on fox they should show me the evidence so then what do they go to the whistleblower's dead. The whistleblower disappeared. We can't find the document. It existed, but it got destroyed just all of a sudden. And this cycle repeats. This is Giuliani from earlier in the day saying that the GOP witness who had all of this information regarding the fake bribe, the fake Biden bribery scheme, guess what? Died again. Died again. Oh, again. Play the clip. On a day in which uh, we find out that the Bidens took a $10 million bribe, from a Ukrainian, Michael Zoshevsky, which I, I could have told you, you know, and did tell them three years ago. And uh, they followed up on none of the evidence I gave them. Uh, they were hoping the people would disappear or die. Uh, it's extraordinary. I, I gave them one witness that any investigator would uh, jump through hoops to go to. Gave them the wit- a witness who is a woman who was the chief accountant at this crooked company, Burisma, she was the wife of the former owner who died under suspicious circumstances. 
Uh, and uh, she was willing to give up all of the offshore bank accounts, including the Bidens. But she died, you know, and then when Jew, by the way, when Giuliani says, I gave them the information, you know who he's talking about, right? He's talking about Bill Barr. He gave the information to Bill Barr in 2020 to go after Donald Trump's opponent, Biden. Bill Barr was trying to go after Biden, but Bill Barr saw these records and knew they were so batshit crazy that Bill Barr's like, these records are actually going to undermine my weaponization and what I'm trying to do for Donald Trump here, Giuliani. Stop giving me these crazy documents. And if Bill Barr believed in the veracity of these documents, of course we know what he would have done. The procedure is you appoint a special counsel. So the fact that Bill Barr got these records, didn't appoint a special counsel, is proof that they were rejected by Bill Barr. And now the MAGA Republicans are saying, what, this is a conspiracy that Bill Barr wanted to help take down Donald Trump and get President Biden elected? It gets completely insane. And then to your point, when you attack Donald Trump, when you attack their fear, if you investigate him, you now have this whole, it's just a clown show there. Did you see this? Uh, Anna Paulina Luna, this MAGA Republican, she's like the new version of George Santos. She's like teamed up with George Santos. And Kevin McCarthy let this get to a House floor vote to censure Adam Schiff for investigating Donald Trump for his relationship with Russia back, you know, several years ago. So they have this resolution and you have George Santos, Anna Paulina Luna locking arms with Kevin McCarthy. They claim this resolution is going to pass. The resolution did not pass. It backfired. 20 Republicans actually joined with Democrats, fortunately, and did not vote for this resolution. But let me show you. This is George Santos, now a face of the modern day Republican Party, talking about ethics and why he and Anna Paulina Luna, backed by Kevin McCarthy, are bringing this censure motion, a resolution against Adam Schiff. Play this clip. Hi, Congressman George Santos here. I'm here today to talk about Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna's resolution to censure Congressman Adam Schiff of California. Congressman Schiff continually pursued scurrilous accusations against President Trump for the entirety of his presidency, alleging that the president and his campaign colluded with the Russian government. This has now been proven to be patently false, as if it wasn't a painfully obvious witch hunt before. Additionally, the measure would fine the former House Intelligence Committee chairman $16 million, just half the cost of the fabricated investigation. Congressman Schiff abused his power to pursue the Trump campaign and its campaign staff. This abhorrent behavior is unacceptable for a member of Congress. Congressman Schiff has called this resolution to censure a, quote, terrible misuse of House precedent and resources and an attack on the Constitution. I would suggest Congressman Schiff look inward and more closely consider his remarks. This investigation is what, in fact, was a terrible waste and misuse of taxpayer money. To not carry out a censure would be a miscarriage of justice and a dereliction of our sworn duty as members of the House of Representatives. We must preserve the integrity of the U.S. House of Representatives and censure Adam Schiff today. You have George Santos talking about preserving and protecting the integrity of the House of Representatives. What a clown show the mega Republicans are. And when you listen to George Santos, he doesn't even know how to say the word abhorrent. He goes aberrant or whatever he said. But I think there are signs. And I want to see if you feel the same way, Cohen. Like I have noticed that there are some Republicans who are at least since the indictment who have been giving some uh, press interviews talking about how, look, what, there's no way to defend this. There's no way to defend what Donald Trump's doing. One of them is a representative Republican named Dan Bacon. 
And Dan Bacon's also talked about how maybe he said he said this. He goes, maybe a group of us more moderate Republicans need to just join with the Democrats at this point. If we have the Matt Gates and the Lauren Boberts and the Anna Paulina Lunas, maybe this is beyond repair the Republican Party, and maybe we should join with the Democrats. A ben, very interesting. And you know, it's why I constantly say on every single one of these shows. Vote, 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 all right? And vote blue. Make sure that you are fully ready to go. Make sure that you have, you know, this set up for you so that, you know, you can get your, you know, your pass, you go straight in, you vote, boom, out. Make sure that everybody in your house who's of age is capable and is capable of voting is there and voting. If that means you have to get a write-in ballot, get in your write-in ballot. Make sure your neighbors, your, you know, your relatives, anybody that may need your help. If we do not get these animals, these lunatics out of office, I'm telling you right off the bat, it is going to be a really shitty additional four years, whether or not Joe Biden, you know, it's going to be it's a disaster for our democracy if Donald ends up becoming president. But if we if something like Joe Biden, who's trying and look, there's not everything that Joe Biden does, I don't agree with, but I have to say he's trying. The country is doing well. He's passing bills. He's doing things. He is a decent, decent human being. Yes, his age is his age. You can't change that. But it, it doesn't matter at this point. It's going to be a Biden-Trump um, election. And if Donald comes anywhere within a thousand feet of the front gate, to the White House. Our country, our democracy is in massive peril. And that's why I keep saying we need that big, massive blue wave. And the way that we will get there is through the brigade, through folks like yourself. And we will do calls to action, asking to please make sure that your family, your friends, your neighbors, your cousins, your, you know, everybody has the who has the ability to vote is registered, ready to go and make sure that they get to the booth. It's one thing if you register. It's another thing if you don't go and vote. We must ensure that people like the Marjorie Toilet Greens, like Jim Jordan, they have no place in our capital. Anyone that does not acknowledge that January 6th was an insurrection, that this was an attack on our capital, on our democracy, on our government, right? There's something wrong with you, and these people need to go. Now, I'm not saying the people that there aren't uh, some, you know, some people on the Democratic side I'd like to see go as well. But for the for the time being, in order for Joe Biden to be able to accomplish the things that he's doing, and interestingly enough, what he is doing is all bipartisan. That's not something you saw from the earlier administration, from the Trump administration. It's bipartisan. So look, my friends, vote. It's all about the voting, and it's all about ensuring that the the crazies these far right wing Trump acolytes, they all need to go. Because we need to have intelligible conversations, not this MAGA Republican clown show. And I'll, I'll leave you with this, Cohen and Brigaders. This is what went down yesterday on Wednesday at one of these MAGA Republican performative hearings where you had Lauren Boebert questioning a very distinguished individual by the name of Sally Katzen. So you've got Boebert, who's failed at running her restaurant and gave everybody diarrhea and made everybody sick before bankrupting her restaurant. She's questioning Sally Katzen, an NYU law professor. Um, she was a member of the Obama-Biden transition project agencies review working group responsible for the executive office of the president and government operation agencies. She held White House positions in the Clinton administration, including as the administrator of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. And Sally Katzen was called as the Democratic Party's witness as the Democrats minority witness to talk about some of the issues and just watch this exchange because it shows everything that is is wrong and encapsulates it all in this one clip with MAGA Republicans. Play this clip. Um, would you say that this is an abuse of that separation of power? Because that rule is not something that Congress has delegated, but the ATF has taken it upon itself to regulate this rule that they created to make millions of Americans fire felons. With respect, I was trying to answer your question before you interrupted me to say that the ATF had in each of these instances 
sufficient statutory authority mm. from Congress mm. and that so, that any challenges to that. Ms. Katzen, it is my time. So uh, Congress never authorized the ATF to ban pistol braces. Congress never authorized the ATF to do that, to make millions of Americans felons overnight. And so I would go back to your statement that you said in your testimony um, that uh, these agencies are not free agencies and they can only do which Congress has delegated to them to do. Congress is not Ms. Katzen, specific. Ms. Excuse me. Thank you. My you... time. No, ma'am. It's my time. Thank you. Oh, I'm Ms. sorry. Katzen, so you are not in interested in my views. It is my time. Thank you. In I'm your sorry testimony, you're not you, interested in my you view. stated Congress delegates, but then some officials are quick to condemn the agencies. For and by the way, the, the, this issue was over administrative agency, kind of 101, the uh, authority of Congress to delegate certain powers to agencies like the ATF. What Lauren Boebert there was yelling at the witness over is that the MAGA Republicans' big issue du jour of the day is to have more pistol braces, which were intended for disabled individuals who want to fire AR-15s. The MAGA Republicans want the pistol braces for people who are not disabled so that they could fire AR-15s and, and not even not even listening to the answer of the question. So, from so Ben, here's here's the thing. Um, I've been down this road before with members of Congress, not once, not twice, but seven, seven times when I testified to seven different congressional committees. If you are a Democrat and the Republican has the floor to ask the question the five minutes. They're not interested in asking you a question. In my House Oversight Committee hearing, not one Republican asked me a single question about Donald. They each took the five minutes to, you know, to castigate, to, uh, you know, to disparage, to denigrate you. And that's what Lauren Boebert is doing here. They are as dumb as they come. They are as obnoxious as anything that you've ever seen. I mean, they think that this is, I mean, I personally enjoy watching, you know, Parliament in England because I find it funny. But I don't find it funny here in America because they don't even do it here with class. She's just a classless asshole that thought that she was going to berate um, Honorable Katzen, all right, for coming in in order to testify as to some issue that they deemed necessary and appropriate. Fine. She did what Katzen did what she was required to do. She appeared not asking her questions, not interested, as she stated, in an answer, just merely to attack her. Why? So that they could make a couple of minute clip, use that, raise more money, uh, and, you know, again, fill up their coffers for themselves. It's, it's fucking despicable under, under every uh, single, you know, metric. It's just despicable. Yeah, just performative fascist theater. But I think the American people are waking up. I think there is this broader coalition that has coalesced of pro-democracy loving Americans, people who are liberal, progressive, independent, not affiliated with any political party, people who are truly conservative, not this fake MAGA Republican conservatism, which isn't conservative at all. And what about, ben, have, what about the fake outrage? Look at the fake outrage that we're seeing from the GOP every single day. I mean, you see them, they stand there anytime that they can get in front of a camera. Boy, performative art. I mean, this fake outrage over everything. everything. Joe Biden this, Hunter Biden that, right? You yep. know, you have Kamala Harris this, you have, I mean, it's, it's, everything yep. oh my god it's all nothing but attacks on donald trump it's all attacks on donald trump and the worst performative artists in these cases are the lauren bulberts the the ted cruises the jim jordans it's out of control it's you know we had congress member jared moskowitz uh, on the show yesterday and one of the things that he pointed out i thought it was a great observation is that the modern day republican party the maga republican party learned all of this from donald trump these tactics, this performative fascism, this clownishness is just mimicking 
what Donald Trump does. And they saw, well, Donald Trump grifts. He makes all this money doing that. Kerry Lake said, I'm just going to follow that strategy. Yep. So they've all coalesced and just do what Trump does. And that's the modern day Republican Party doing nothing for the American people, not focused on any issues that matter, just some performative fascist theater. And hey, raise money, raise money, raise money. American people are sick and tired of it. And I'm proud to host political beatdown with you and to share this time with the brigaders so we could talk about this. Because I know what I love about this is the brigaders don't just watch this, turn this off, and then move on. What they do is they share these videos, subscribe to the YouTube channel, tell their family, friends, coworkers, colleagues, everybody they know about political beatdown. Because what political beatdown is about, what the Midas Touch Network is about, what the Midas Mighty is about, is this is a pro-democracy movement, okay? And the key ingredient in this movement is you watching this, you listening to this, and you spreading the word and telling the truth and letting people know what the facts are. It's why we spend a lot of time, not just on sound bites, but going through the court opinions, going through the facts, showing you actual evidence, what's being said, and not just arguing and yelling for the sake of it. That is why I'm a I'm so proud that the Midas Touch Network is innovating a whole new way that the media should be in political beatdown, Look. one of the marquee shows here doing that. Cohen, I'll give you the you final know, word before we wrap. So when we talk about beatdown, what we are going to do as a brigade, as a group, as a united force, we will beat down this GOP stupidity. We will beat them right into the ground. We will ensure that they lose their seats. We will ensure that there will be a House that is controlled by Democrats, that there will be a Senate controlled by Democrats, and the White House will again, um, you know, return a Democrat, will return Joe Biden. That's our goal. That's our beatdown goal at the moment. So thank everybody. Tomorrow on Maya Culpa, when it drops at midnight tonight, it's Harry Littman. You got to hear this one. It is absolutely fantastic because nobody has their ear to the ground like Harry Littman. And short of that, um, you know, again, thank you, everybody, for all that you do. Um, we are we are united. We must we must remain united. We must grow and we must grow quickly because again, time is not on our side. We need to grow. So please share political beatdown with your friends, Maya Culpa, Midas Touch Network, all of the podcasts, because we are all in one unison, uh, one message, which is to we we have to ensure our democracy. And the only way to do that is to rid the GOP, all right, of these bad actors, plain and simple. Harry Littman is part of the Midas Touch Network family as well. And you could subscribe to his channel. It's the Talking Feds YouTube channel. And he works with the Midas Touch Network and bringing you that great content. So I'm really excited to listen to that episode of Mea Culpa with Harry Littman. My brother Jordy is letting me know that I got to tell everybody again to go to store.midastouch.com right now. Get your Convict 45 or Convict 45, however you want to say it, pins. We're running out of Convict. 45 convict 45 pins go to store.midastouch.com and while you're there get the pin and also get the official mea culpa podcast Marilardo correctional facility shirt go to store.midastouch.com all of our gear is 100% union made and 100% made in the United States. Also, uh, there is a GoFundMe in the description of this YouTube for Michael Cohen's legal defense. Our friend Adam Parkamenko helped set that up. All of the funds go to support Michael Cohen's legal defense efforts and his legal efforts that Trump has embroiled him in and Michael Cohen standing up for our democracy against Donald Trump. You'll see that in the description below and David thank you and everybody Goliath episode pal david and goliath yeah. and you know what thank you everybody who's contributed there make sure you subscribe to the midas touch network youtube channel it's free to subscribe if you listen on just the youtube channel make sure you subscribe to political beatdown wherever audio podcasts are available just search political beatdown and subscribe there if you only get political beatdown on audio podcasts go to the midas touch youtube channel and subscribe to the midas touch network youtube channel also check out patreon.com slash 
Midas Touch uh, there for uh, pro-democracy memberships to help support our network. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. We appreciate you so much. And a special shout out to the Midas Mighty.